Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Morning, Juliet, and thank you for joining us this morning on today's show. For the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, but more importantly, why you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah, um, so I'm Juliet Barrett, co-founder of Grenade. Um, we started in 2009 as a sports nutrition brand, um, but as the sort of sports nutrition markets changed into more sort of mainstream healthy snacking, um, we now sell a range of products to sort of 80 countries and we're across all sort of UK retail. What gets me out of bed in the morning is a little puppy who wakes up ridiculously early, probably about 4.30, 5 o'clock on a good day. Um, but I've always sort of got up early and, you know, go on the running machine by sort of half five, six o'clock just to start the day. So we now need to ask, what what type and what's the name of the dog? Ah, uh, she's called Peanut and she's a little cockapoo and she's gorgeous. Can we go into a little about what your career or your journey to date has been like, ultimately ending up at where we kickstart the grenade story? Yep. So I had a very sort of traditional education, so school, university, um, I did a geography degree, then did a teacher training at PGCE. Um, I started teaching at a secondary school in Essex and then moved on to a sixth form college and then went back into a school as a head of sixth form. Um, but the school that I went to was quite a rural school and there was a lack of sort of aspiration really because a lot of the kids' parents had sort of local businesses and it was almost the done thing for the kids to go and work with the parents. So I sort of found that quite hard um, and then decided that I wanted to sort of leave mainstream teaching and move into the sort of still in the education space. But I worked for the Learning and Skills Council and I developed a project for 14 to 16 year olds, getting them more into vocational training. Um, after that, I worked for a national charity as their head of education. So encouraging kids to go out on school trips, take risks and sort of educating the teachers. Um, and then I've always worked really hard and I've got a sort of insatiable work ethic. And I always wanted to work for myself as opposed to for someone else. So then I met my partner, Al, and we he had a distribution business for selling other people's products to gyms and, and health clubs. So I went into work on that with him. And we realized that actually we could do our own brand. So we were selling products from the US to like sports clubs, gyms, etc. And we knew that when people stepped outside of the gym, they couldn't remember what the products were called because they're all in sort of very generic white tubs with very sort of scientific names, things like Xenadrins, you know, no hydroxycut, no one could remember them. So we realized quite sort of early on, this was sort of maybe 2004, 2005, that we wanted to do our own brands. And that's when we started thinking about Grenade. Cool. So can we go into, we mentioned a little about Grenade there and that unbranded, loads of different names, but what's the story behind Grenade? And the name, where it came from, obviously, we, we know it wanted to be stand out in the marketplace. But what, what was the trigger? Um, I think, you know, every, like I said, everything was very generic. Everything was in white tubs. And there wasn't really a brand that stood out. You know, there were brands that people bought into. But we always knew that we could do it better. 
Um, so we worked really hard on the formula to make sure that we had a winning formula. We started with a weight loss product because we thought, well, actually, you can feel that and people can see the results. And, you know, that that was important. And we knew that we wanted a global brand. So it didn't matter where you were in the world. We wanted you to know what that product was called by the look of it. Um, hence, investing sort of tens of thousands of pounds in the tooling to make the grenade-shaped container. So it didn't matter if you spoke English or not, you would know what that product was called by the look of it. And it was very, very distinctive and memorable. Yeah, definitely. Can we go right back to 2009 when Grenade was a starter? Can you tell us what them first few years looked like some of the challenges and sort of what happened yeah so like when we sold our previous distribution business we put all of the money into grenade so it was a huge risk for us but we never sort of felt it was a risk because we always had real sort of conviction that we had a great product and you know we'd work really hard and we'd make it successful and um, we launched in 2010 in february and we went with two distributors because sports nutrition was very different then it was it wasn't really in supermarkets it was just via sort of specialist distribution and I remember thinking that, you know, this was going to be a lifestyle business and we can do it from where, wherever we were in the world. So when we launched Grenade, like Thermodetonator, our first product, we were sat in Florida and we were looking at the sort of portals of these two distributors and we were thinking, shit, it's not selling. Um, and I think that after sort of a few days of constantly looking, thinking, that, you know, this just isn't selling, we realised very quickly that we had to get back to the UK and we needed to make it work. So this sort of lifestyle business went out the window. And I always say that Grenade was almost a hobby that turned into an obsession. So very early on, we did everything. And people always say, you know, what made Grenade so successful? And I genuinely can't say one thing because it was everything. Um, We did the trade shows. You know, we rocked up to Body Power, which was a big health and fitness show in May 2010. We drove a tank into the NEC. And that obviously grabbed people's attention. That was the bright orange one. Uh, this was a green one, actually, oh. the very, very first one. And people still ask about it now. Yeah, so we've sort of upped the tank game recently. Um, but, you know, we drove it in. It was fine on cooking oil. You know, the smell was horrendous. You know, everyone else was there with these huge sort of stand building teams building these, like, huge booths. And there was us with a tank, two people, and a couple of pull-up banners. We did all the adverts in, like, the sort of magazines. Obviously, paper advertising was was much more popular then. Um, we started to build a team of credible grenade athletes that loved the product and we never paid anyone to start off with but it was such a sort of breath of fresh air getting people that genuinely loved the brands loved the products that talked about it and this was really at the sort of start of social media and sort of influences and things like that so you know everyone every other sports nutrition brand was building a team of like massive athletes in like I always call it big men small pants Whereas because we were going for like the men's fitness look, the six pack, we built a team of really lean athletes and it was actually quite new to the industry. People hadn't seen it before. And I think that's what grabbed people's attention. But, you know, I'm a massive believer. If you want to make something work, you really need to put everything into it. So in the first four years of Grenade, we didn't take a day off. We didn't take a salary. We didn't have a holiday. We put everything into the business to make it work. Obviously, Grenade is that global brand that you spoke about now but gone through that startup scale startup stage at what stage would you would you say personally that it went from that startup to a scale up to getting to the big boom we are and we know today i mean it's still weird because even though i sort of stepped away from day to day in january last year you know 
we never really felt it was successful. There was always so much more to do. So I think we still have that very sort of startup mentality, the fact that, you know, yes, we've got great distribution and UK retail, but it's about working really hard to make it popular and to keep it popular because, you know, food is fashion and people do fall out of love with it. And we've never been the sort of brand to sit there and think, you know what, we've done really well. Let's just take our foot off the gas. It's always about pushing forward. Um, But there are a couple of sort of not defining moments, but moments that definitely sort of shape the business. After Body Power in 2010, we got interest from GNC in the US. So they wanted the product. And within sort of four months, we got products on the shelf in the US. And like a lot of people would think, oh, my God, that's amazing. But actually, it nearly finished the business because we weren't ready for it. We didn't know about selling in the US. We weren't doing any marketing. And we had all this product on the shelf in GNC, but it was on sale or return. So actually, that was a big thing that sort of as an entrepreneurial business, we'd never say no to. But in hindsight, we probably should have planned that a little bit more. Um, But I think the biggest point was when we launched Carb Killer Bars, which was in April 2015. And I think that took Grenade from a sports nutrition brand to a mass market food brand. Because it wasn't just the product that was great, it was the timing. And we've always said that, you know, to have a really successful business, you need a few things going your way. So fitness was becoming really popular. Protein was becoming more normalized. And people were trying to buy healthier snacks in retail, in supermarkets. So it was becoming a lot more mainstream. And that definitely helped us. Was, would that be the year that you outsold Mars bars? Mars bars? Yeah. Did I read on the website that one year you when you, the sale of Grenade went higher than individual sales of Mars. Oh, yeah, no, no, that was, I think that was 2017, maybe, where, you know, we've got sort of great UK retail distribution and there's a lot of data that people sort of collect and actually the Grenade Carb Killer Bar was outselling Mars bars. So that was a huge sort of tick in the box for us because we never wanted to compete with other sports nutrition brands. We wanted to compete, compete with the confectionery giants and give consumers a credible alternative to a high sugar chocolate bar. And that's what we managed to do. So during that uh, scale up stage, you won a cup, well, was listed in the Fast Track 100, uh, is it an award or a list or league table uh, for a few years now? Yeah, that's right. So Virgin Fast Track is basically the 100 fastest growing privately owned companies in the UK. And it's all sort of organised by um, Virgin. And we were lucky enough to meet Sir Richard a, a, a fair few times. And it's just a great sort of networking opportunity where you meet good businesses that are growing. And, you know, we've stayed friends with a lot of the businesses. You know, it's given us great opportunities. We went to Ulusaba, which is Sir Richard's game reserve. We went to Necker Island. And, you know, it's a, it's a real privilege to be involved in something as, as sort of prestigious as that. Yeah, when I was looking at the list, obviously you were still sat at, uh, in the 30s, I believe it was, in at the end of 2019. So... Then yeah. this year's list will be coming out pretty soon as well. So Yeah, definitely. But every year it gets harder. So like the first year is easy because obviously, you know, your growth could be like 200, 300%. Yeah. But when you grow really quickly every year, you've got to up that growth. Definitely. With some of the names that obviously to, for the listeners to give an idea how prestigious this list is. So there was Chili's Bottles that jumped out, Gymshark as yeah. well. That's all over social as well at the minute. Um, Warner's Distillery. One for the Northeast, Northern Gas and Power, 
and yeah. then obviously brew dog as well so this yeah. this list isn't full of mugs <laughs> it's uh, no definitely not there were some really credible businesses you know just eat you know you you get to meet the founders of those and you know there's some brilliant businesses so during that scale up what what do you feel your biggest the biggest challenges of the of the company was um i mean there were just so many things i think when we launched the product looked great but we had the, a bit of an issue or a challenge really where people thought it was quite gimmicky so i think when you're sort of establishing yourself as a brand it's very easy well not not easy but easier to get the initial sale i think the real challenge is building that brand credibility and giving consumers a reason to buy you over and over again um because when you sort of put something out there like carb killer bars, it does make other brands come at you with other products as well. So for example, Mars launched a a protein bar because obviously they saw the protein bar market. So I think one of the challenges is making sure that you stay current and don't get complacent. So constantly sort of reinventing your product, reinventing the marketing, keeping it really fresh, making sure that the consumers that bought you in the first place, they're the loyal ones. So you keep them on board. Um, one of the other challenges we face is actually the category in the supermarkets didn't exist. So they had chocolate bars and they started to have protein bars, but there was no protein bar offering in the confectionery aisle. So we actually changed the face of UK retail by making grenade carb killer bars a credible alternative to a chocolate bar. And, you know, we were challenging the positions in stores like till points and queue management systems and confectionery aisles. So that was a huge challenge. And again, there was a huge education piece because people really didn't understand the benefits of protein and why they should be eating it. And again, we were trying to get consumers to spend £2.50 on a chocolate bar where they could get a Mars bar for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70p. So there was a huge education piece. So, you know, there are lots of challenges. And as I said earlier, we never, ever took our foot off the gas. You know, the work ethic is incredible. We've got a phenomenal team at Grenade that genuinely love the brand and are always pushing forward. Obviously, there's some interesting marketing that we were speaking about before with like the hot air balloon and the the tanks and things like that. Um, And then obviously the new launch of Grenade TV. Mm. Just wanting to go slightly different with before obviously the big boom of social and the influencers yeah what what challenges or how did you overcome we've just been talking about getting into the likes of them supermarkets what what was the the issues that you faced um i mean i think the education piece is is a big one and we were having to educate the buyers um and you know some buyers get it some buyers just look at the margins so there was obviously that sort of we had to sort of almost convince them to put our bars in confectionery aisles uh, or in the supermarkets without any sort of proof of concept. So it's not like we were going into a category that already existed. So that was definitely a big challenge. Um, As I said, you know, when we launched Grenade, we did it really at the start of social media. So we did do a really good job of building the brand with influencers and getting people talking about the products. And I remember it was probably 2013, maybe 2012, um, we got a call from the buyer at Tesco's and his exact words were, we can't ignore you anymore. And I think that was a great sort of position to be in where they've seen you and they know that people are starting to talk about the brand and they want to list you. That, that's got to be a bit of a kudos moment going, yep, <laughs> let, let's yeah, have definitely. that chat. So when you were talking about putting it into the States where it was on that sale or return, yeah. would you 
do anything different now if you were redoing that brand? Oh, it's such a difficult question because I'm never one to sort of, oh, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing and all that. And actually, if you were doing this as a sort of business studies student or you had a business degree, you would probably be a lot more strategic in your growth. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, this is your baby. And actually, you go a lot on your gut feeling. And we knew that to get listing in the US, it was an opportunity that we just couldn't turn down. Personally, no, I don't think we'd have done anything different because then we'd have always been wondering what if. Um, And like I said, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's always about your gut feeling and what you think is right. And as long as you think your decision is right, whatever happens, you can live with. But I'd never want to be, oh, you know, what would have happened if we'd have done that. I'd rather be a sort of has been than a never was. I think something that we've always found as well with any food manufacturer or seller of food goods, they always say that they want to get into the multiples, the Tesco's, the weight rows, whatever. But it could be the the best thing for them, but it could always be the worst because of their margins is going to get crushed. They're not going to stock the whole range of products at the start they're going to pick one and it can grow kill a business really as well yeah definitely and I think like you said you know to get on shelf somewhere people think oh you know I've made it but actually getting on shelf is the easy bit it's making it sell because then you've got to give consumers a reason why they should buy your product as opposed to the other 10 or 15 brands that are sat next to you on the shelf And there's a lot to be said about having a good positive relationship with a buyer. But also, you know, some retailers expect you to have listing fees. They expect you to do offers four times a year. You know, you're paying for all of these. So you've got to have a product that consumers love. So we always say that for a very sort of successful business, you need not only the availability, but you also need the demand. You have to do that as the brand. So you definitely need both. What's your favourite grenade product? Carb killer bars, hands down. I'm a bit I'm a bit of a white chocolate fan so um the birthday cake um and we also launched recently a white chocolate strawberry um which is just absolutely amazing but you do have to be careful that you don't eat too many in one day <laughs> or you're not going to sleep on the night yes well not necessarily you might go to sleep but yeah you definitely don't want to eat more than two or three a day <laughs> <laughs> I think probably within the office everywhere you look is grenade spreads yeah, <laughs> they're just all over hours, and, the, yeah. and everyone has the carb killer bars and the, the. Yeah, definitely. But again, you know, w- one thing that was really important to us when we sort of founded the brand is that we would never launch a product that we wouldn't use ourselves. So we were never in this for the short term. We'd never have done something to, you know, to sell product to people. We never wanted to mislead people. So we made sure that you know the staff liked the product and like we all use the product. You know, we used to give staff discounts on products so that they could genuinely sort of enjoy them and then sort of endorse them almost so we never wanted to launch a product for the sake of launching a product yeah great what's around the corner for yourself and go into this a little because you mentioned back in q1 last year you stepped away from day to day yeah you've took now a very different route in the food industry yeah definitely so you know grenade had our first round of private equity investment in 2014 our second round in 2017 i think you know when a business gets to a certain size it becomes a bit corporate it becomes less about the brand and more about the numbers and actually i think as a founder you know this is your baby and it can be quite sort of not soul destroying but there's definitely a right time to sort of move away from a business so I work with a number of sort of SME businesses now in the food and also branded consumer goods space um, because, you know, I'm a real sort of brand person. So I used to love working on the branding, the marketing, the experiential stuff with Grenade. 
Um, and so I work with, a, you know, food brands, like I said, you know, there's one up here, Love Raw, which is a vegan chocolate brand that make phenomenal products that, again, are getting listings in sort of UK retail. And it's just really exciting working with the founders at that sort of growth stage. So it's all about the brand. It's about sort of building the social media following. It's about getting those listings in UK retail. And, you know, I'm a brutally honest person. You know, there's no bullshit. It's been an up and down journey with Grenade. You know, you get the highest highs, but the lowest lows. Um, So it's just good fun working with founders where you can actually help them and not come in in a pair of sort of heels and a business degree, but actually someone that's been there, done it and would do it again where you can just give them that raw, honest advice. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, what do I wish I'd known about Grenade when we started it? I think that's basically the highs and the lows. So what an emotional roller coaster it would be. And when things go well, it's brilliant. When things go badly, you really do take it personally. Um, And also about hiring good staff, because we didn't really hire at Grenade until sort of our private equity investment. And we were running around and trying to do everything. But building a strong team that can help you on that journey is key. When we're talking about some of these SMEs now, would you say you're more that person at the end of the phone to ask that awkward question to, the shoulder to cry on when someone's going to hit them lows as it does in any business? What, where do you see the next two years with your career and these clients that you're now working with? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, like I said, you know, I've got great relationships with the businesses that I work for, you know, the the Love Raw guys, you know, that they're friends, they're really good friends. And yes, I am that person on the end of the phone, but I'm also in the office looking at the branding and like helping them recruit. So I'm really, really hands on. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit twitchy, though, because I think there's another brand in me. So it's great working for other brands and helping them but I still haven't put to bed that sort of idea of doing something again and I'm not saying it would be another grenade but I'd like to use the lessons that I learned from grenade to do something else digging into Juliet's mind now and if we're saying that's a very dark place (laughs) (laughs) what would you see your three key things for anyone in that food and drink business was thing that if we're saying this is all you need to know this is what you need to do when you're starting up or when you're looking to scale what are yeah. them three key takeaways okay i think the first thing is you've got to believe in your product and you've got to go into this with a business head-on it's not about making money it's about growing a brand and i think if you go in wanting to make money you're going to fail so a genuine belief in the product that you're selling I think you need a lot of common sense and resilience because this isn't a sort of short-term fix. So even if you do well enough to get product on the shelf, then the hard part starts where you've actually got to make it sell. And I think you've got to be brutally honest. Is there actually a need for the product that you're developing or you're selling? Because I never forget a Dragon's Den where I think a guy made a plastic cover for the end of a cucumber. And it was almost like, well, you know, that's great, but what are you actually going to do with it because you can just put a piece of cling film over the end so it's just making sure that what you're putting all your hard-earned money and time into is actually a credible business and the one thing I always say to businesses when you're sort of starting out is really have a clear idea of where you want the business to go because I think there's a lot of merit in having a nice lifestyle business where it's you a friend a family member and you're just in it and you make a nice living but if you want an investable business 
then you've got to think longer term. So you need to have a bit of a five-year plan. And there's a lot of stuff you need to put in place very early on, i.e. buying IP, you know, domain names, having some sort of idea of brand stretch and product ranges that you need to think about early as opposed to, you know, when you actually have to make that decision quickly. Cool. Thank you for that. I want to know how you learn. How do you sort of... One of the questions we like to ask is, do you sort of have any recommended reading or videos or do you have an, a mentor that, you're, that you would go to, similar to what you're offering now to the, the brands that you're working with? Who's your support like? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, when we launched sort of 10 years ago, there wasn't the sort of strong mentoring network that there is now. And I think, the, you know, the one thing that the Virgin um, Fast Track is sort of introduced us to is a lot of very, very credible businesses and a lot of great business people. So I have found that a really useful network. I mentor for Virgin Startup. So you're working with sort of startup businesses. And it is really useful because, you know, if you get the right mentor, they're not going to patronize you and tell you what to do. They're just there to listen to you and offer advice. And I think having that sounding board, and I think Great Britain, you know, the UK does this brilliantly. You know, there are phenomenal mentoring networks out there um and you know there are quite a lot of sort of awarding uh, bodies like you know the gba um the natwest the great british entrepreneur awards you just meet like-minded people and i think having the opportunities to talk with them and see what their challenges are you realize that it's not you on your own and everyone has very very similar things but i've learned everything on the job so to speak so i remember trying to get our first barcode and thinking shit how to do it um, so like Googling barcodes and then having to work out how to do it. So I've never been a big one for reading sort of business books. I think the ones on my bookshelf at the moment, I've got um, Fire and Fury. I've got a couple of marketing ones. Um, I think I've got one that says F it, um, get shit done or something like that. But no, I'm not a massive one for reading business books. I'm very much like, you know, I'll work it out and, you know, talk to other people that have got good businesses. Final one is if someone wanted to find obviously yourself where or Grenade, where do people find you? What's on the social platforms? What's the Yeah, so obviously Grenade Socials, you know, at Grenade Official and Grenade.com. I'm Juliet Barrett. Um obviously I've got a personal Instagram and you know, that's about yeah. I don't do a huge amount on social media. I try and keep my life off social media, but I've obviously got a LinkedIn profile as well. Perfect. Thank you for your time, Swan Julie. It's been great talking to you and getting an insight into the life of Grenade. Pleasure. Thank you. Just hope you've recorded it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I have. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.